In the beginning, there was nothing. Then there were comic books. Once you enter our world, there is no escape. Comic exposure begins in 3, 2, 1. Welcome to the Comic Exposure Podcast. My name is Josh Buckley. And my podcast, Extraterrestrial Robot, is the one and only... Travis Ratz. <laughs> Welcome to Comic Exposure. This is a podcast where we read comic books. Uh, we talk about them. Uh, we usually do a graphic novel or a trade every other week. Uh, and we bring a guest on to talk about it. You are here with us on one of those episodes. Uh, we are going to we're going to talk about Descender from Image Comics, uh, written by Jeff Lemire and drawn by uh, Dustin uh, Nguyen. Nguyen. Uh, I, I, I think it's um, Nguyen actually. Nguyen. Yeah, you don't There's think like you a, pronounce the G. You don't pronounce the G. All right, so Nguyen. It's like Vietnamese, something like that. Uh, so we're, we're reading that today on the show. Uh, we've got a guest on. We're going to talk about it. We're going to we're going to get deep into this book. Uh, remember that you can find us in all of our podcasts at www.comicexposure.com or you can find us on iTunes or on Twitter at Comic Exposure. So Travis, let's start this bad boy off. Uh, why don't you introduce our guest to us? Uh, our guest this week is, you know, one of the things we like to do on this show is expose people to comics. So a lot of times uh, when we're reading a trade, we'll have someone on who's Never read a comic book, or one or two in their life, or maybe only seen superhero movies. Uh, this week, uh, our guest, uh, we won't be exposing him to comics for the first time, but um, maybe in reading this trade, we will successfully re-expose him, because uh, this uh, guest is someone who is very familiar with the genre of comics, collector, collected them for years, um, and uh, a buddy of mine who uh, I bonded over with through comics and UFC, uh, uh, Ryan Severin, is in the house tonight. And by house, okay. I mean he is calling in. <laughs> That's right, at my house. Thanks for having me, guys. And right now, he is sitting with his cat perched on his belly. And um, the cat's trying to eat his mic. Yeah. So, yep. uh, Ryan, one of the things we always we always uh, ask our guests is, uh, what was your first exposure to comics? Um, back when uh, I lived in California, probably around seven or eight years old, we had uh, some neighbors that uh, uh, read a lot of comics. They introduced me to comic books, uh, Star Wars, all that cool stuff, and. Uh, and I read for a while up till probably about junior high, and I stopped reading. And then um, senior year of high school, I got back into it. Um, and then recently, I stopped reading, what, maybe 2010, 2010, 2012, about that. I stopped reading comics. I used to go, like, from senior year of high school till like, 2010, I was going every Wednesday. I got hooked, you know. Right. And uh, I was always going and reading comics every Wednesday. And then I realized, oh, my God, I can't get laid. <laughs> I was like, I need to change something up. So, uh, I, I so since then, uh, I haven't been reading many comics. But what'd you do? I keep clicking my beer here. I got a can beer instead of a bottle beer, so it makes things really difficult. But you actually, um, and not only reading comics, you were big in like the collecting side. You were bag oh and board. You were bag and boarding everything. It was uh, so bad. But you've recently sold off a lot of your collection and, and gotten some pretty good money for some titles. What's the, what's the right. bi- biggest book you've sold? Probably Walking Dead number one. Yeah, that was uh, I got <laughs> some good money. For it? For that one. You know, not too much. I think I got like fifteen hundred bucks 
it was a rated. I got it rated by CGC. Came back at about a nine point two. Yeah. Uh, so I, I I put it on eBay. All I got was like fifteen hundred. But there's like the ten point were going for like ten grand. Yeah. It's crazy. I don't. I, who finds a ten point Like, how do you have right. that pristine? No one's ever even looked at it in order to get that ten grade. The ten grade is so BS because you basically most of the comics that are even on the shelves at stores aren't even like a ten. You know, right. by the time they make it through all the shipping and then, like, the comic book store owner gets his greasy little hands on it. Like, it's, <laughs> there's hardly ever a 10. It's like that, like, bitten clerks where that guy's looking for the eggs. Yeah. And he's sitting <laughs> yeah. there. And you have people. I remember going to the stores and seeing people that would, like, pick through and, and look at the right. spine and, and try to find the perfect comic book. And you're like, dude, comics just aren't worth anything anymore. <laughs> no. Unless you get, like, a walking debt, you know? Um, right. So that paid off for you. Um, the other thing that I was I was actually talking to Ryan a couple weeks ago, and I wanted to bring this up before we got into the book. In addition to being a, a, a comic reader, uh, Ryan is uh, I would say what casual gamer, but like you 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 know a yeah. lot about like the games that are out now. Yeah, you know I have all the systems, uh, but uh, I would say casual. Yeah, I don't spend too much time playing, but. Uh, yeah, definitely. I like video gaming. So I was asking him. I was like, I was asking him to expose me to games because yeah. I'm like, I think I want to get into the world <laughs> of gaming. I think, I think I'm secure with myself in my life. I, I have some extra downtime. I have some extra cash to spend. Why not get into gaming? We were talking about this, and Ryan said something that was uh, intriguing to me. We always talk about comics as like a medium of art and yeah. storytelling that a lot of people. <clears throat> I wouldn't say a lot of people, but there are certain segments that don't respect uh, the storytelling and the art of comic books because it's because they they're unaware of it. Yeah. And for video games, for me, I wasn't aware that a lot of these games, especially these first-person shooter role-playing games, have really intricate storylines. Ryan was talking to me about um, the actual storytelling. What, what you were saying that some of these uh, games yeah, have Mass Effect. Mass oh, Effect is so a great story. You play that? Okay, I, you know, yeah, so good. <laughs> Mass Effect 2 is probably one of my favorite, like, modern right. video games. Same here, same it's, here. Like, it's, it's near perfection. It's are, so it is, and you're missing out on that, man. Are, are, they, are they pulling comic book writers in to write these games? Like, how, are, how is that? Do you, anyone there's know probably, there's probably a goes? crossover with film. I would assume in screenwriters do the same probably. sort of stuff. But um, I know Brewbreaker, I think, writes for a couple of games. He was talking about that on uh, an interview I heard him once, and I that's got to be good money, but that's got to be really tough, right? Because you have to have you have to have like separate storylines depending on what how you play the game. Like yeah, there's there's goes. a bunch of like extra stuff. Um, <coughs> so that one's good. Like Mass Effect Two, you can you get to choose a bunch of different paths. And so it takes you different directions. So sometimes you'll do something and one of your characters will die. And sometimes you, you know, <laughs> pick a different path and you'll get a new character. So it's, there's a bunch of different angles you can go through on it. So the games that you play, Ryan, are you typically trying to find games? Is, do you usually buy a game based on, oh, I like the, I, the premise behind this story? Or is it because uh, the, uh, the graphics are cool? Like what, what's, what, when you're picking out a game, like what do you typically go for? It's usually uh, publishers. There's certain publishers that release great games year after year. Uh, Bioware, for example, or Bethesda. And anything they put out, I know there's going to be good story content. 
It's going to be a quality and, uh, game. It's a real engrossing story, you know, so I always jump into those games. Yeah. You got to play some Skyrim, buddy. You got to oh, yeah. that, too. I've heard of that, too. And, like, Dude. they just had that World of Warcraft movie out. They built a whole, st- built a whole story. I heard it wasn't good, but. It was crap. I mean, these, <laughs> there's these intricate plots involved in these things, and I'm like, I'm down for that. No, so Skyrim is Skyrim's a game that you can sink so like an ungodly amount of time into. <laughs> and yeah. you're like, what am I doing? Like there's a million side quests. Like there's your main quest, and then you'll meet a guy in like a tavern and he'll go, I need you to find this uh this sword for me. It's in this dungeon. And you're like, Okay, yeah, I'll go do that. Yeah, I'll do that. Hey, but uh <laughs> dude, you're from you lived in Japan. How do you not have been playing video games since then. Like well, we Japan, played, it's all video games all the time. We played They're, in uh, uh, arcades, but it's like it was like Guitar Hero type stuff. It wasn't like these uh, first person um, role playing games where there's a story involved. Even if there was a story in Japan, I wouldn't be like all Japanese. Like, oh, don't you like, um, Ooh, <laughs> yes. Very and nice. the Asian uh, accent comes out for the fourth uh, podcast in a row. <laughs> Keeping it in there. Jack. As, you get, as you get closer, it just yeah. it's going to get stronger and stronger. stronger so, oh, more racist the closer I get. Um, <laughs> so, all right. Um, yeah, so that's, that's something that I'm going to be uh, uh, checking out this next year. I think I'm going to buy... Uh, what system should I buy, Ryan? Well, I'm just going to let you borrow my PS3. I don't even use it, really. So why don't you just borrow my PS3, get the Batman Arkham games, get Mass Effect, just try it out. Just try you think it out. that PlayStation is a little bit more wieldy for a newbie than, like, an Xbox? <laughs> They're about the same. You know, probably, like, you've got to pay for Xbox One. you got to pay for the live. Yeah. Um, so if you want a multiplayer, you've got you've to, like, pay to do that. Okay. But, if I don't, you don't think you need to do that. Yeah, you, yeah, I don't think you need to. I'm, we just we just bought an Xbox One, and I haven't paid for live on it yet. So Ryan literally carries video games in the trunk of his car at all times. We were, we were hanging out the other day watching UFC. He goes, "You guys want to play this game?" And he goes, this, "He goes, it's in my trunk. <laughs> <laughs> it's Overwatch. Let's play it." Right on. So that kind of transitions into this book, Descender. Um, now. Um, we have, on this podcast, we have reviewed uh, a book by Jeff Lemire, Underwater Welder. Uh, this was one of our early podcasts, and it was a book that Josh and I both really liked. Uh, have you, were you aware of, uh, aware of Jeff Lemire before reading this one, uh, Ryan? No, I was not. I've never heard of him. Yeah, he, he uh, does, like, Sweet Tooth. He did Underwater Welder. Does, hey, Josh, oh, Sweet Tooth. Yeah, uh, that... Green Arrow. He was writing Green Arrow. About... Uh, he's... Oh. Uh, yeah, during he did some a uh, run on New Fifty Two of Green Arrow. Yeah, so he's someone who's been able to have his um, uh, you his know, indie ponds. Yeah, yeah, his indie cake needed too. too. He's been able to basically his creator owned books. He's been able to go really out there, yeah. doing things that wouldn't seem to be commercially viable, but somehow sell. Um, and then also doing the big two books. So I feel that Descender is a good blend of that creator owned independent yeah. feeling. But also laying out a story that feels like it could be part of the big two. Uh, so, how do we want to start this? Well, let's uh, let's get we we talked about genre and in let's Ryan, if you could classify this. I mean, it's sci-fi. How how much sci-fi do you like watch or or read? Is with how how often do you do you like look at stuff like that? Is this? Oh, I, I really love sci-fi. Absolutely, big fan of sci-fi. Um, I wouldn't really know. This guy's really—you can see his influences. They're on his sleeve, you know. This guy, uh, this book. 
um, what would I classify it as? Yeah, would, I, would you say compared to would, is this more hard sci-fi than some of the other stuff that's out there? It seems a little more. I mean, compared to like something like Star Wars or yeah, I, I, I say this is straight hard sci-fi. Like Star Wars is a fantasy. It's almost a, a mix of fantasy. I would say almost more fantasy uh, than sci-fi. I think what makes it sci-fi is its environment. But this, I feel like the actual ingredients that make the plot and characters. I mean, you got let's, let's go down the hard hard sci-fi checklist. Space check. Robots check. Uh, what else we got in here? Um, alien, alien races. Alien babe. Check. Yeah. Alien ba- alien babe that you that you really want to do. Check <laughs> check. Um, so and I think the other thing is there's not a lot of explaining. Uh, and I think that's something else that kind of denotes, like, yeah, you're, this is sci-fi, so you're just going to have to deal with it. Like, they, they throw you in this world, and there's not a whole lot of background on what's going on. They're just like, there's this giant col- there's this giant collection of uh, planets, and they're all run by one government until this thing happens, you know? Uh, so you said that you could, it, he wears his, uh, his influences on his sleeves. Uh, Ryan, what, do you, what do you influences do you see in this? Uh, definitely Philip K. Dick, all the Android kind of stuff, you know. Um, you know, you know what I found was that this reminded me of Futurama. Do you guys watch Futurama? Yeah, yeah. I watched. Yeah. Okay, so you know he's a he's asleep forever. He wakes up. He's got he's got a driller instead of bender. <laughs> he, he still says kill all humans. Yeah. Uh, what else? I'm a, I'm a killer. I'm a real the, killer. The tough alien girl, you know, and. Uh, at first, I was just like, well, that's just like Futurama in a way. Except he's not as uh, obnoxious as uh, Philip J. Fry, but... You notice how we, we skipped the uh, two-minute summary this time? Because yeah. for sci-fi, it really is hard to kind of sum it up. Because underneath all the trappings of sci-fi, space, robots, alien races, there's always a very... It seems to be like a simple story. It's and always, here's a simple story. Yeah. You ready? Yeah. Uh, robots attack everything. Mm-hmm. Uh, they blow everything up. Now they're trying to find the doctor and the, the android who is connected to this robot attack. And we find out that this technology and the technology of the giant robots that attack is stolen by this doctor. Like this doctor ripped off the tech from this ancient robot they found and shit ensues. And and the the twist on this the the inroad the thing that makes the original stamp on the sci fi is the fact that like AI the movie it reminds me a little bit of AI too right. you know um, yeah. but in this the uh, the uh, counterpart to these destructive world destroying robots is this little kid companion robot yeah. so he's able Lemire uh, is able to place a lot of heart. Which is something that hard sci-fi can be hard to do. I think in a lot of hard sci-fi, mm-hmm. um, and he's able to do that. Uh, ironically, the heart in the story is in a, a little a little a <laughs> robot, you know. Uh, but I think as uh, 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 I'm not a huge sci-fi fan, but I think you made a good point, Josh, um, about hard high sci-fi, whether it's Blade Runner or these worlds, like Philip Dick the Android um, uh, stories. It's you have to. You have to be patient with it. You have to be okay with stepping into a world where we don't understand the rules. So, Ryan, um, with that in mind, 
this collects how many issues? Six issues. Six, Six issues. issues. How long did it take before you to get comfortable with this world and uh, get a feeling for the rules of this universe? Um, definitely a few issues in, because, you know, it started with, uh, you know, um, showing the planet. Everything has Japanese names or... Uh, it just, I don't know, it took me a while. Uh, I just, oh, I don't really know how to say this, but I didn't really get into the story. Yeah, it's there is that, the first issue, they're talking about a council. You're not sure what that is. They're, they're um, talking about an attack, but all I took it all on board knowing that, one, trusting uh, Lemire, because I have read his stuff before, I know he's a good writer, Um but at the same time, knowing that I'm going to be conf- confused for a while. And it wasn't until about halfway through that I, th- I, f- I, that I thought this story kind of found some legs and mm-hmm. it kept me going. The second half of this, I read a lot quicker than the first half. Um, it, that first couple issues, normally with a trade, I can sit down, maybe read it in one sitting, two sittings. I had to. It took me a uh, a while to get through these first two issues. Now I'm not saying it's bad. I enjoyed this this trade, but I think with any kind of world building sci fi, you you do have to kind of press forward yeah. more than you right. would with something that's classic superhero or another genre. I mean, it, it starts off. Um, you know, you've got it starts off that flashback, right? You don't know it's a flashback until right. You know, you jump and you you find Tim uh, on the spaceship or on the on that mining planet with all the all the dead people everywhere, and then you don't know he's a robot until you don't really know he's a robot until uh, there's like a giant splash page right. and all his little robot tendrils are coming out and stuff. And I, that right there got me. Like I, in that first issue, I'm reading, I'm like, okay, what's going on? And then when I found out he was a, I mean, you kind of see he's a robot on the cover, right? Um, yeah. But as you're reading it. That was kind of like a a big kind of twist for it, um, but I think you guys, I think you guys are right. It takes a couple issues to get it in, and I read this in singles, so I read it when it was coming out. Okay. Uh, so I was reading it in single issues, and I found myself when it was coming out in single issues to go. I had to go back and look at the issue before it when I would read it again. When you go months in between, um, and in every issue is like in. Uh, I think it's just in the back of the trade. So I think it's the very back of the trade. It tells you all the planets that are involved. Okay, it goes I see through that. And it says like Narada, Phages, Mata, Samson, all those places. That's at the end of every issue. So at the end of every issue in the singles, it's like, oh, here are all these, here are all these planets again, just in case you know you lose who these folks are, because there's a lot of like competing factions in here. Uh, and it just continues to get that way. I'm still reading it in single issues, and it continues to, like, kind of grow out and, and get bigger, and, and this world continues to get bigger. Uh, and I think that's one of the things, as we're reading a trade like this, um, it is an, it's an ongoing. And so we get this first trade, and it's just this first tiny piece of the story, but it just keeps expanding outward and adding more into it. And that's, that's I you know, once... I, I was with, I think um, at, we're going to get to Ryan, and Ryan, you know, it sounds like he has some issues with the story as far as finding like himself actually engaged and concerned about what's happening. The first couple issues where they kind of take place on that mining planet, yeah. and it's a very small boutique story at that point. It's the only two locations, the, the kind of home base world and then the mining world. That 
was, you know, kind of setting up the world. For me, the story got legs when the the team was assembled for the first time on that ship and they're attacked. Yeah. And it for me, it was, I started to get into the story when I started seeing the characters play off each other um, and how you have the this team, like you have... Uh, uh, the, um, what's his name? Not Bender. Now I'm thinking his name is Bender. Driller. <laughs> Driller. Driller, who is, like, hates humans. Or humans. Humans. Uh, and uh, you have the, the the daughter of this, like, basically the senator. You have this cowardly doctor. Uh, you have this innocent robot boy. You have this yappy dog. And so... Uh, and then also like this very stoic warrior like uh, guy in here. I'm like, okay, this is a this is a good stew. This is a yeah. good character stew here, and I like them when they're all together. So once they got all together, um, I started and like jumping worlds, like they're in like that trash melting world. I thought that was I thought that's when it started to get legs for me. But uh, up until then, I did have that problem with engagement. So for the engagement right. part, Ryan, what do you think? was not grabbing you for this. I think what was hard for me was there's just no um, character you could really identify with as a just a general reader, uh, you know, going on. They, it seemed like they did a lot of the stereotypical characters. You know, you have the tough guy, Mr. Talis, the quiet military guy. You have the, uh, what's her name, Te- Telsa? Yeah, Telsa. Yeah. I always want to say Tesla. but Don't call me uh, Tesla. <laughs> you know, she's the hard-ass woman, character, female character, um, you're not going to identify with a robot kid. And then Quan is just so, <laughs> he's such a coward. You're like, you don't want to identify with that guy, of course. But And then uh, Driller's just, you know, the same old muscle um, robot. Yeah, the uh, Cro-Magnum just, muscle man. Yeah, <laughs> Yeah. what, what I like about stories is, you know, you, you find a character that you identify with and you can kind of put yourselves in their shoes and uh, kind of live the story through them. I found it hard in this. You're upset uh, because there's no direct Han Solo character in here, aren't you? Someone you were cool. looking for that drifter. Want, yeah, yeah. someone cool. Yeah. I want to be. I want to. Yeah. I don't want to be anyone in this. Well, book. someone who really loves his cat. I'm gonna let you know. Yeah, it, yeah. it comes up. It's not in these first six, six issues, but you do get a character. A Han Solo character. You do get a Han Solo character. Got to. Uh, it, <laughs> it does come along. You get yourself a Han Solo character after after these. Does uh, he wear some kind of duster? Trench coats or yeah. like vest. Think of it as like uh, it's like a biker leather. Like uh, he's like, like a Wolverine, a, like a, like a kind of like a Wolverine. Like he's a Japanese motorcyclist. That's kind of okay. <laughs> I can, yeah, you know what? Oh. Put him in the first trade. <laughs> don't don't hide him from me. <laughs> you know, um, yeah. So I, I, I get that. I, I get that. Um, he does, as we talked about, rely very heavily on tropes and characters that we've seen. Um, uh, so it'll be interesting. Again, this is it's a lot of world building to do in just six issues. Um, but there are other things in here that I'm gravitating to much more than the actual story. And we'll talk about art in a little bit. That's going to be, I think, uh, where I really celebrate this book. Uh, <laughs> but before we, we, we talk about art, you know, have we... Do we need to talk more about these characters? Or do you want to talk about... Um, I, th- I think what's... It- there's you had said before, Ryan, that there's some serious kind of like some influences on here. This story reminds me of Battlestar Galactica, like the new one. I did Not you much guys, familiar with you that. Guys watch no. that I never watched it. Okay, so you're a dork. I dude. was super dork. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, the, the 2000s era Battlestar Galactica, they brought it back on Sci-Fi. Uh, the Cylons attack. 
they look like humans now. So, like, the Tim boy is a human. There's a scientist in it who is supposedly connected to the Cylon invasion. He's also got kind of, like, long, shaggy hair. Uh, he's cowardly. And so that Battlestar connection, that Battlestar Galactica connection, I think really made me go, oh, this is familiar. I like this. Like, it's kind of playing in that same that same sort of world. But I think you're both right. I I think even though it's hard to connect with Tim, I think Tim is the person you, you're supposed to connect with in these first. Either well, either Tim or or Quan. Well that's a good point. I think yeah. I, I, I Quan I can kinda see because I'm I'm terrified of everything. Like, <laughs> the same way I would be like I'd be like, don't torture me, I'll tell you whatever you want to know. And I'm a liar, I'm a fraud. Um but I, I let's take a let's we've all read I think even Ryan you've 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 uh, broken into the saga a little bit right oh yeah you got me into saga so yeah. let's let's I mean just for a moment let's these are two I think great writers both celebrated in the comic book industry uh-huh. um, Brian K Vaughn and Jeff Lemire uh, they both have their own sci-fi fantasy book you know I think if we had a if I, saga or Descender? What's what's doing it better right now? I'm going to say Saga is is doing a little. They're doing it differently. Yeah. But so what? What's different about the, Lemire's world building as opposed to Brian K. Vaughn? Where? Um, well, I think Brian K. Vaughn gives you a love story right away to connect with. That's what you get right away in Saga. You get two characters. They're clearly marked, the two characters that you're supposed to follow. But I'm going to tell you, the first first volume of Saga, I didn't love it. It wasn't until that's I read the, the second right. one. I, I liked the last issue of it. I'm like, oh, that's pretty good. And it wasn't until I read volume two, I was like, oh, now this is this is going for me. But, but I think there's a little more heart in that first volume of Saga than there is in Descender. There's... There's, you know, two characters you're supposed to follow. There's that love story. It's narrated by a kid. There's all these little touches that you get that humanize it. And this isn't very human right away. It's a little colder. It's a little more. That's why I think it it falls in a hard sci-fi a little more. It's a little colder than, I think, Saga's. Not that Saga isn't, like, batshit sci-fi. Yeah. But this is... This is... Yeah, this is more um, um, Blade Runner. Yeah, it's, it's like that. Like it's that definitely more the Blade dark, Runner. the dark corners of the sci-fi universe. But you know, I I think that um, uh, Brian K. Vaughn in Saga goes almost over the top when it comes to trying to make his characters relatable. Like uh, we talked, uh, Ryan saying that you know one of the, his issues with this is that he didn't find that character to relate to. Where uh, Brian K. Vaughn make sure that every character has a very human flaw that that um, even in these big battles you can relate to very mundane things like breastfeeding and uh, yeah. whatever. Do you relate to breastfeeding? Know. I can relate to breastfeeding. <laughs> listen, I've been I, I know everything there is about breastfeeding. I'm a breast connoisseur. Uh, oh, very nice. Yeah, yeah. That's right. I know there's, I, I tell you all different breast milk flavors. <laughs> okay, okay. I can, look at, I can look at a tit <laughs> and tell, and I can give you like a, 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 a kind of like a, a pretty no, good no, approximation no, no. of. <laughs> hey, Josh, I'm going to stop. Whip your right. shirt up. Let me, no, I'm going to take a look no. at that tit. <laughs> Said tit in the podcast? Check. Check. Wouldn't be a podcast without it. <laughs> Uh, uh, but I guess you want to say something real quick. Yeah. The main difference between Saga and this is Saga is fun. 
that you know, there's an element of fun there. Uh, and, you, you know, you want to follow those characters, see where they're going, because everything is exciting. Here it's just, I think they're trying to overdo the desolate, you know, deepness of space kind of thing. And just, and I don't look forward to meeting new characters in this book. It just feels like each character is just going to be uh, the same old stereotypical character, just nothing new. Uh, you know, it's just like nothing's exciting in this book to me. What, what I, 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 what I liked about it, the characters, I, I, I would disagree from the standpoint that I did when we met new characters. We went on that, like that, almost like that pig man villain. Yeah. I thought he was pretty creepy. I like the uh, scrappers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I they like, look cool. They I like, cool, I like yeah. their designs, and I like how they they're just kind of like the minions in this, and how. Um, if you're going to have minions, they're all kind of different, not like an army of robots that all look the same. I, at the end of this uh, spoiler, there is like uh, uh, another faction, a robot faction that it kind of comes in that I thought was that, that piqued my interest. I'm like, oh, there is like a, like a robot resistance thing going on now because robots have just been taking so much shit in this book at that point. You're like, right. oh, I guess ro- robots are kind of pushovers except for the driller guy. Uh, and then you have this whole, like, robot rebel force that pokes its head in at the end. I go, okay, I could I could see where this is going. Um, but, yeah, it would, it would, I, I, I'm not dying to pick up the next trade, but it is something that if I had on my coffee table sitting there that I would pick it up and read volume two. Uh, just because there is, there is enough in here. Uh, that I really love, and one of those main things is the art. Let's let's switch over and talk about this art. Uh, the reason I picked up this book, I mean, I, I like Jeff Lemire, but the reason I stick with it is because it is so damn pretty. It is, there's yeah. there's like there's nothing that looks like it out except for other stuff that Dustin does. Um, he has this style, the watercolor, this really sort of like it's not really inked; it's just like pencils and watercolor. Yeah. And it's this, this parts of it are really like in the background, you're like, oh, that's just like a square, but that's totally a building and it feels like a building. And he builds everything with these real subtle um, shapes. And sometimes like characters don't have faces because they're in the background, but you can just see like the little eyes and there's just, it is super pretty that that's why. Um, I love this book because it looks gorgeous. There's there's never a page where I'm like, oh, I didn't like that. But like it all looks cool. <laughs> Ryan, what was, when you open up the book, uh, what do you think about the art? It's it's not the house style for sure. So right. No, I definitely enjoyed the art. Uh, I thought it was really en- engaging. It did it did keep your eyes you know to the page and kept me wanting to keep looking, but. Uh, yeah, what can I say? I just I like the style. It's yeah, it's it's different than the norm of you know heavy inks and this the solid computer coloring they're using nowadays. So yeah, I, I get there's some of the stuff that's come out with uh, with uh, a rebirth, the DC rebirth stuff. It is just like overly Photoshop colored. Like, right. It's like and and this is like real. This feels like muted. Yeah, it's muted, but it feels really textural. Where the Photoshop stuff, it just looks, it doesn't, it just looks fake. You know what I mean? Right. I guess like this is watercolor, so it is real, real. But um, 
There's I, just something tangible about it. I love anything where you can see the pencils behind it. I love the sketchiness where where the watercolor will be over and they didn't erase all the pencil lines. Yeah. And so you can see the sketchiness of it underneath it. They do it in some panels more than others. Uh, but I really like how so, like some at some moments they will leave some pencils on there. Um, and the watercolors, man. I've been getting really into watercolors. <laughs> I feel like... If a book is done in watercolor and done well, I'm like, I'll pick it up regardless of the story because it is. Every time you turn a page, you're just like, ooh. I will yeah. say this, though. I'm reading this in bed with just the um, um, lamp, <laughs> the bed lamp. Yeah. There were some pages where you have to really kind of like, what am I looking at here? Like, what's going on? Like, some of the battle scenes yeah. that happen in space. Like, is that a spaceship? Is that... Like what's what's happening? Like here's one for example. I'm looking at you know like yeah. You're like what is that? What am I looking at here? What's happening? Um, but that's just I think is going to happen when you're using w- watercolors and you don't get those high high definitions between yeah. colors. Um, but really beautiful. Reminds me of that Morgan Bean yeah. stuff in the middle of Goners that we read yeah. uh, many podcasts ago that we both really liked. Um, and the amount of time to do these watercolors. It's, this is. This is really a work of love for uh, New Yen. Well, you got to think, like, he doesn't spend the time inking it, you know, so there's not, like, three steps to the process. So he gets to he gets to watercolor it um, instead of inking it. But I'm sure it's not an easy, an easy task. I mean, it looks damn good. So however long it takes him, man, it, it looks great. <laughs> And I, w- I will say there there are some there are some scenes that I, I really like in here. Um, here's my question: One of the things that did kind of bother me, uh, you know, I, I thought he he stayed pretty true to his world that he created and like the 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 tropes of sci-fi. sci-fi. One of the things that kind of bothered me was the heaven scene where like. He oh, was okay, unplugged, yeah. and he went to, like, some kind of robot heaven or, like, <laughs> yeah. dream. Yeah. And I was like, what's that's what's going on here? What's that's the part where you're like, oh, this is, like, hard. That's that's the, like, hard sci-fi stuff. Like, they, there's a robot heaven or whatever it is. Like, there's this, um, uh, this collective consciousness of all these robots. And you saw, like, all the dead robots there, and they're like, you're the one, Tim Twenty One. Like, yeah, he's like freaked out. Like, it's, yeah, it's a bit creepy. It's a creepy uh, night terror. Then I think that's the point. Is it's supposed to be creepy? But it's got to come back in some bigger way because if it's like like a robot heaven, I'm out. <laughs> I'm out. I'm like robot. All robots go to heaven. Um, can can sci-fi like this cross over to mainstream success? Is it too? Is it too? hard sci-fi is it too <sighs> unrelatable to people who don't love this genre already I, I think a story like that we we've seen kind of how um sagas transcended right like sagas hit a bunch of people who don't normally read stuff but i think that has more characters to to kind of relate yourself to uh this one's a little tougher i could see it as a tv show I think it would work uh, as like a sci-fi TV show. You'd have to change characters up because I don't think you'd be able to do the expensive too, the planet, yeah. the pig planet. But I think some of the other stuff you could maybe you could maybe make it happen. Um, but there's properties like this <clears throat> that are like it, it reminds me more of like a sci-fi novel yep. than it does any other exactly. sci-fi comic book. It reads yeah. a lot like um, I like. 
there's a book that I've been reading. It's, uh, an, it's the Ancillary series, so it's Ancillary Justice, Ancillary Sword. There's like three of them, and it's a really sort of like straight up. There's a a, a spaceship that is um, has AI, right? It's a, an artificial oh, yeah. intelligence, and the spaceship is alive. Event Horizon style, yeah. Uh, but then something happens. And the spaceship controls a bunch of cyborg robots all over the place at the same time. And then at, something happens and it downloads its whole personality, all of its memories, into just one of those robots. Oh, so cool. it cool. used to be this like omnipotent, uh, kind of like everywhere AI, and now it's just in one body. Oh, that's a, and how many books have you read so far? Just, I'm, just, I'm almost done with the first one. Can we talk about something, guys? Yeah. Uh, Barnes & Noble. <laughs> yeah. I, I know exactly what you're talking about as far as this is like the – you know how there's like a fantasy section in Barnes yeah. & Noble that has thousands of fantasy stories that you're like, who reads these things? Right. They fly off the shelves. There's a sci-fi <laughs> section that has that same that yeah. same groupie status. I get a little creeped out when I go into that row in the bookstore because the people who surf those shelves – Always creep me out. <laughs> they always have like some kind of greasy ponytail with like receding hairline. It's like they're like trying to keep their hair on their head. There's always it's always a black faded black band <laughs> T-shirt with like cargo shorts, uh, and I get really <laughs> uncomfortable. But at the same time, I feel like a super alpha male. Like, yeah, I, I, you feel cool. Yeah, I, I, if they're looking at books, I'll stand right in front of them. And just say something. Say something. <laughs> and they'll move and look somewhere else you're like, that's terrible, right. You're a terrible Sometimes if man. I'm having like a really low self-esteem week, I'll just go surf you the just, sci-fi aisle and just stand in front of nerds and be like, oh, were you looking here? I'm sorry. Now I am. <laughs> so you, you just lean against day. the bookshelf with a cigarette in your mouth <laughs> yeah. and be like, what are you doing, nerd? You can't come yeah. through here. Like, why, don't you go, why don't you go walk your ass to the manga section? Yeah, go to manga. <laughs> go to manga. Take a bath. Oh. Hey, I saw you in puzzles. Your girlfriend looks like shit. <laughs> you're a terrible human being. Terrible. That's my mother. <laughs> yeah, but I know exactly what you're talking about. I think that that audience yeah. would love this yes. book. I, I think that this uh, Descender probably does that type of storytelling better than that type of storytelling. It does really well, and, I, and you get a visual touch with it and a very pretty visual touch that I think um, does really well. And And we're essentially reading the first chapter of a book with this trade. Right. You know what I mean? Like there's so much kind of like growth with it that, um, in an actual novel, this wouldn't be, this would be like maybe the first fifth, you know what I mean? Or it wouldn't be, we, this wouldn't be halfway through one of those giant 700 page sci-fi books. Right. No, you're right. Let's let's do um, uh, favorite panels. I want to have some time here at the end to talk to Ryan about uh, comic re-exposure. Oh. Um, uh, what he's what he's looking at reading. You know, like what's his process now? Is he you know going back into it? So let's let's go favorite panels. Um, I think Ryan, I told you to pick a favorite panel, right? You did. Uh, why don't you, you go did. first then? Okay. Well, I like I like the splash one where. It- after he got shot in the belly by that scavenger dude. Oh, that's a good one. And, you know, it, it shows, like, his memories just uh, flying out of his head and his, his body smoking. I just thought that was a neat a neat picture. That's uh, a great layout in that panel, too. Really neat, yeah. They're able to tell a lot of story just with that one splash pit. Yeah, you're able to see, like, you're able, like that. 
idea of the memories kind of going out of him is kind of this cool idea. Like you see for a robot, you see him dying, right? Like, yeah. See his data just being erased or yeah. flying out of his head. Yeah. yeah. And, and, and also you talked about, we talked, we, we, I think we've been a little bit hard on the heart on this because I do think there are moments here like that, like that splash page where I do like there, there, there's that moment where the family gets him his dog because mm-hmm. he's he's part of the family. Yeah. It's like, wow, now you have like your friend. Yeah. Like we bought you to be our son's friend. Now here's a friend we bought for you I to be your friend. There was one issue where you get the flashback of all of that, um, and I, it's done in like a grayscale, uh, super pretty. That he goes from this very colored section, and then when he goes to the the um, look back. Uh, forum, you, you get to see the the grayscale of the of the flashback, super gorgeous. Um, that kind of story, and I th- I think that that's maybe something. I wish maybe there was a little more of that, right? You got a little bit more of him. Uh, it is very AI, right? Like, and that's I hate that movie so much that I, I hold it against this book. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't hate that movie. I didn't hate like that movie. Spielberg, you really effed over Lemire in this, you know? <laughs> yeah, he was he was trying to do it for. Uh, Stanley Kubrick, right? Yeah, uh, yeah. It was, yeah, it's okay. Yeah. I like I like that that subtle horror element in AI, where you're just like, "What does this robot kid want to do? What's he gonna do?" You know, he has this, he has all this strength. He could totally drown my kid, kind of thing. You know, oh, yeah, how dangerous he was. And I think they should. I don't know if they do this in the future, but maybe make the kid creepier. Make it more of a mystery that you want to find out more about this kid besides him being a key to these giant robots who who the hell knows is producing these giant robots that's a lot of steel you gotta like producing these robots who's <laughs> making these robots who's making these robots it's just like yeah what is this the guy who wrote Lemire is like hey I like Galactus I'm gonna make a Galactus like guy <laughs> that destroys planets and yeah. then for his foil I'm gonna make it the tiniest robot possible <laughs> yeah but yeah. I think that there's that kind of cool like these giant robot destroying you know, gargantuan, like planet destroying robots, these gargantuan things. And then the salvation is in, or what people assume is salvation is in this little tiny boy. It has to be extracted. <laughs> Who's going to jerk off this little boy robot oh. to get that codex? <laughs> Terrible. That'll be really, really lame though. If the little boy just, they find out, Oh, just plug into these giant robots and you download an algorithm that throws off these giant, <laughs> killer robots and we save the day it's just like uh, I'm, not, I'm not really looking forward to finding out how they resolve this matter i'm just who's like making, who's making these robots who is getting all this steel come on that's like <laughs> that's 20 a, planets per robot to get all this steel come on, <laughs> and who's I, building it i like what you said about orion about maybe this might be interesting if they didn't make um if they didn't force he's the likable hero we root for so obvious at the beginning. Like, from the moment we see this kid, like, oh, this is our likable hero that we root for. Right. Um, which is why I find the Doctor more, much more of an interesting character because... He's um, a fuck-up. Yeah, he is. And I, I kind of enjoy... <clears throat> issue 6 is kind of its own little standalone thing, right? I mean, Issue 5, you find out he's the one he ripped everything. Like, that. that's what you learn. And Issue 6 is just a giant flashback of how they found the technology... And I thought that issue was really it's a it's a good ending to this, but I thought that was a really cool <clears throat> a really cool uh issue. You got to see, you know, like a younger version of him, how sort of like how driven he was to like be the best. And his his like uh his doctor who was in charge of him kept trying to like would keep knocking him down oh, yeah, a little yeah. bit. Um 
And so you see him like, okay, well, I'm just going to steal this thing. And he turns out to be like the, the real, he, they even call him the godfather of robots when that's what they called his, his, uh, uh, his mentor, like, his mentor yeah, before yeah. that. And so it's this kind of, it, I thought that was kind of like, man, that guy's kind of an ass. Right. right. But I kind of want to know, I don't mind following that jerk around. You know what I mean? The timeline is weird for him when you bring up that, too, because that happened, like, 15 years ago. Uh, He was, like, the father of robotics. But it sounds like this this solar system was filled with all kinds of AI. So, like, are we supposed to, like, believe that, like, within 15 years all these robots were produced? Because it seemed like these robots have been a part of this universe for millennia. Well, right. I think the robots with the advanced intelligence were. Okay. Right? So, like, the Tim-21 version. But not, like, the drillers. But not, like, drillers. Okay. So, like, the advanced human-like AI where they have emotions. Because that's what it talks like. He, uh, there's, like, one point in there where Tim's like, but I'm supposed to, like, I'm supposed to feel bad. Like, I'm supposed to be scared. <laughs> that's a good Tim voice. This is exactly how he talked. But I'm supposed to feel bad. <laughs> I don't. <laughs> I love my brother. Brother. I'm supposed to be scared. Like, I'm programmed to, like, freak out. I, right there, I think you're on the page, right? This is my favorite panel. Yeah, you're on the page <laughs> where he's freaking out where they're cutting off Dr. Kwan's arm. And Tim's like, no! And she's like, you're a robot. Knock it off. Yeah, Tells tell us, like, knock it off. He's like, but I'm supposed but to feel. I am supposed to he's feel. He's like, I, I, I can't. It's how Dr. Kwan made me to better <laughs> empathize with my human companions. And she's like, be creeper, freaking dude. wonderful. Yeah, right? yeah. <laughs> and that brings me to my favorite panel is the bottom corner of that page where he's like on like the crucifix. Yeah, he's like, it's, G- very, it's very much. Him. I like G because he's the creator, right? And he's being crucified. Um, and also I like it because it's the first moment where there is some, like, gore and horror in here. It, it, it really stands out because everything else has been, like, robots getting shot and, and nothing too violent. And all of a sudden, this dude's getting his hand hacked, so, like, sawed off. You're like, yeah. whoa, this went from PG-13 to R real quick. Like, yeah. But, you know, at, at the age where they're de- they have such developed robotics, you just think about, this guy's going to be fine. He's going to get a new robot arm. It's going to be awesome. It's going to be stronger. It's going to... Be able to satisfy his sexual urges so much faster, more efficiently. <laughs> but who's gonna, who's it had a, it had a, that robot arm. Who built that robot arm? <laughs> it had to hurt like a son of a bitch. You know, it had to hurt. It may, it may be able to be a lot fixed. of lube. You gotta use a lot of lube. Uh, Josh, favorite panel. My favorite panel is in that same issue that you're on. It's uh, where Driller and the tough guy are like thrown to the pits, right? Ooh. Which is a very, I mean, it's a very sci-fi trope, right? And, yeah. But. Episode it looks two. cool. Star Wars, Star <laughs> right. Wars episode two. But it's a oh, very it's a terrible movie. Yeah, it was a terrible movie. But it's very like you know, it's <laughs> it's that idea of you go back to you know the Romans and the Colosseum. Are you not entertained? Right? <laughs> Who wants to see robots die? <laughs> and so there's this this giant page uh, where it's the top half of a two page spread where you get to see the whole kind of, like, Coliseum, and there's, like, a robot on fire in it. To me, um, gladiatorial pit fights will never go old. They're always my favorite part in any movie. And the coolest part is, like, there's a giant pit of, like, molten steel or lava in the middle. So, like, you just throw the robots in there, and they melt and die. I just like that it's these... It's this tough dude, driller... And the and the fucking robot dog, right? Like the robot yeah. dog. His name is Bandit. Please show respect. Bandit has absolutely no chance 
but and that whole scene is one of like the first like battle battle scenes where you could see a lot of like uh, fighting in there. And I like I think this is the first time you I don't know if it's the first time you see anybody swear, but that tough that tough guy doesn't talk very much. And in the panel below it, uh, they're like. Winner keeps fighting. Losers get the pit. Where the, either way, oil will be spilled. And the one dude's <laughs> like, "Oh, we're fucked." <laughs> right, Are like, you not entertained? I just like that. Like, oil will be spilled. Like, it's such like a it's such a Roman sort of thing to yell about blood being spilled. But it it's yeah. a nice transition for robots. I thought that page was, and it's really it's like this sparsely done. You can tell that the character, like the stands, are full of people. But it's done in this real artsy, watercolory way that that is just it's just gorgeous to look at. So uh, it's my favorite panel. Good nice. choice. All right. So um, who you recommend to? If you recommend it, uh, I would be wary to recommend this to non-comic readers off the bat. I would recommend it to exactly that that that. Type of reader we talked about. You're a sci-fi reader. I would sit next to that row, and if they're looking at shit, I would say, hey, dork, come over here. I got (laughs) something for you. And I'd take him over, I'd walk him over to the comic book section. And be like, this is real wheel dorks go. Yeah, I got this is real hard. This this is hard sci-fi. Uh, and then they're like, what about Saga? I'm like, well, that's good too. <laughs> you should get that. You should take them both. They're only, they're pretty cheap trades. This is only nine ninety nine. Yeah. Uh, so... I would think – same idea. You, you, anybody I know who's kind of like a big sci-fi novel kind of person, um, I'd probably hand him this. You know, I, I, I think um, volume one plus volume two, which neither of you have read, I think would make a good, a good segue into this sort of story. And I think this is that sort of like slow boil world building that volume one just gives you like a sniff of it. Mm-hmm. And then volume two sets you on – the race. You know what I mean? And you said something in there that you said Segway, and I think if you own a Segway, you'd probably like this book too. You might. If you're the type of person who owns a Segway, you would probably really like the sender. You probably. What about you, Ryan? Like, you probably, it sounds like you probably had, like, the harshest critique of it uh, between the three of us. Would you recommend this to anybody? Nah, you know what? There's just so many, so many more fun books out there. I don't right. think I would, I would, uh, I probably would recommend Saga instead, just because you know it's more mainstream, not as cool anymore because of that. But uh, I just I I didn't have fun reading it, and I don't think I could uh, recommend it. I'm not saying it's a bad book. I mean it's it's a beautiful book, but I just saw a lot of just stuff I've seen before. Mm-hmm. The story didn't the story didn't grab me. Characters didn't grab me. I just saw just a bunch of recycled ideas, characters, and. Uh, yeah, just not not my bag. Let's uh, let's change it over to talking about. We talked about. Uh, we sat down and we didn't talk about the book specifically. We talked about uh, getting the book, uh, sitting down and reading a trade again, which is something that you hadn't done in a while, or like you know, just like picked up something that you the random, like read something ran, a random trade in a while. Like, is this something that you're going to continue with? Like, what what do you like about that? You said it brought you back to like. Better days. <laughs> I wouldn't say better days. I mean, it was more fun, you know, to be able to read comics and escape. That was that was fun, you know. I I do miss the smell of a comic book store, you know, walking into a comic book store and feel like I've seen I've seen a vagina before. These guys haven't. I feel really cool. But you know, <laughs> sorry, that's that's just mean. Um, what kind of what kind of <laughs> 
<laughs> comic yeah, book shops you walk are you walking into like they're like oh like greg's cool. like greg's comics you know yeah. for example oh. they go hey wow you know you get 20 percent off well, oh hey that's that's josh that's, that's my shop that's man. His shop. Is yeah, shop. it's a well-stocked shop they got a lot of stuff but man you walk in there they're like who's gonna win between submariner and colossus they like, don't oh, have girls there it yeah. is definitely it's definitely a nerd shop it definitely and has i would yeah. definitely say submariner would win that fight uh 20 percent off gets me in the door man i was just in dc and i went to a comic shop in dc and I was talking. I was talking to the girl there who was running it, and I was, and she's like, "I'm like, this is totally different than the shop I go to." And she goes, "Why?" I'm like, "Because this is like a place where people come and and like you peruse and like you hang out and talk to like people do that at Greg's, but it's like a fire sale, man. It's so tiny in there. It's crazy. It is, yeah. It's, crazy. it's so small. But this one was like open and inviting, and and I was trying to tell like it's totally different. I said, but uh, there's twenty percent off everything. Twenty percent off everything is really hard." to like pass up just to go to samurai because it looks nicer yeah how much is a single uh comic now is it like five bucks now or it depends these ones were running 2.99 so descender runs 2.99 uh but marvel some of those marvel ones are running 4.99 a book oh man which is just stupid expensive yeah i have trouble i have trouble picking up a 4.99 book yeah, that turned me off. That's what one of the reasons I left comics too was the price. The price keeps it's, jumping, and the trades are such a better such a better option. Right. Yeah. You yeah, don't have to worry I, about putting them in bags and boards. Right. I love trade waiting, but at the same time, like if you really love a book and people aren't buying it in single issues, you ain't gonna get that trade. <laughs> you know, that's it's, true. It's not gonna that is keep going. True. But like books like Saga that have such a following. Like you could trade weight that I need. I, I need to binge Saga. I can't read that in single issues. No, I, I just to be tough. And I'm going to tell you guys, it was it's tough to read. It was tough to read this one in single issues. I went back and read it for this, and I read them back to back, and it was a much like I was like, oh yes, these characters are flowing better as opposed to like a month later when I would go, who the hell is that guy again? Right. <laughs> <laughs> so, but like I like getting it because it's so pretty. So I, I like for me. It's two ninety nine to look at some really gorgeous art, and I'm like, yeah, I can do that. I can do that. <laughs> well, uh, ladies and gentlemen, that is Descender. Um, as you can tell, uh, mixed reviews, but I think we gave you an honest appraisal of it. So I think if the things that we talked about are right up your alley, then go definitely go pick up Descender. If you are a hard sci-fi fan, I think this is right up your alley. Um, if, if you like some pretty watercolors, yeah, if yeah. you want to look at some gorgeous art, yeah, mm, exactly. Nice. If you if you're if yeah, just for the art alone, this is nine ninety nine ninety nine for the art alone. It's just cool to have on your coffee table and flip through and just like, ooh, this art is so sexy. Uh, so it is. There's like something <laughs> sexy about it, right? Like it's hard to like. There's it's just I don't know. It's damn pretty. It's like crafts craftsmanship. Yeah, there's like some serious. So. Not that not that other artists aren't craftsmen, but there's just something particularly like wow. About when you look at one of those pages. Like, oh, yeah. The amount of work that I think went into that. Last pages are amazing. Yeah. And thank you, Ryan, for coming on um, and reading this book with us. And I hope that uh, we'll have you on uh, down the road. We could, we'll maybe let you pick the book and you can introduce, you can expose us to something uh, that oh, you wow. really like. So um, we, we'll keep that out there. And Josh, tell them where they can find us. All right, ladies and gentlemen, remember you can find Comic Exposure uh, a bunch of different places. You can find us on the interwebs at www.comicexposure.com. Uh, all of the past episodes are on there. You can go back and listen. We did a live episode at Phoenix Comic Con, so you can go check that out. It was on Saga. 
great episode. Uh, a ton of stuff up there. In between all these uh, book club episodes, we do what are called variant editions, and so we'll we'll just bullshit about what's going on in comics. Yep. We've got some interviews. Last week we had uh, Sean Allridge of Dark and Bloody on, so go listen to that if you haven't. He has some really interesting things to say. Uh, and then uh, our uh, next uh, variant, we have uh, some uh, indie uh, comic creators uh, who are will be on, and we're talking to them about their kind of more of a, a manga-style book and, and talking about that that. That's bringing that over to the U.S. Yeah, uh, and so you can find us there. You can follow us on Twitter at Comic Exposure. Uh, I'm rocking the tweets over there, so you can check us out, uh, interact with us. If you have some questions for us or you want to talk to us, you can email us. Uh, you can find the the link on the website, uh, or you can just tweet us, and we'll uh, we'll talk to you there. Uh, so, ladies and gentlemen, thank you for tuning in, and we will talk to you, and we'll see you next trade.